0: Hello and welcome to the Offensive Zone Show with your
1: hosts, Ian and Tyler. The weekly podcast so good you'd extend it for eight years,
0: whatever the cap is.
2: Defensive Zone show where we break down the greatest and latest goings-on in the NHL. Um, I'm very humbled to have two guests with me today. Max, who you will remember from last week, who is a new returning host for us. Uh, So hello to Max. And welcoming back a special guest, JP from Golden Steel. So JP, good to have you back, mate. Thanks a lot, Ian. Uh, It's great to be back and uh, looking forward to chatting hockey with you again. Yeah, we are we are nearly there. We are nearly at the regular season start, so um, which is nicely set up for us because after we do our news piece, which we're going to do in a minute, uh, we're going to continue our series where we've been breaking down the divisions one by one, and we are episode four of four. So we're at the last one of these series where we're going to be breaking down the Pacific Division. Um, but first, we have. So that jingle means that we are going to cover the news first and we have a few bits of news to go through and I'll try and get both Max and JP's opinion on each. Uh, First, uh, for the Toronto fans among us, uh, Sheldon Keith was signed to a two-year extension with Toronto as their head coach. Uh, He's had a pretty impressive um, record with them in the the time that he's been there, but obviously the one record that matters, which is the playoff record, uh, still isn't great. Uh, so I was a little surprised to see them extend him for two years, uh, especially given the importance on their season this year. But Max, uh, we'll say it's slightly biased, maybe coming from a Canadiens fan asking about a Toronto head coach. <laughs> <laughs> but what's your thoughts in terms of that extension? It felt a little bit premature to me.
0: Oh, I think I think he's a great coach. Like uh, like the playoff records, it's, it, it's not about him; it's about the um, the, the players the player's commitment and uh, I think he, he did a great job in the regular season j- just getting around uh, you know Marner and Matthews they, they got a you know they are offensive players but he gave them defensive roles that they need to fill like it is good for players like that like they're they they're beginning to, to to be more complete yeah because of him
2: yeah, and as I said, you know his record speaks for itself. He's got an absolutely fantastic uh, regular season record. Yeah. So, and I'm I'm sure that uh, Toronto will be more productive in the playoffs this year. Um, that that streak can't last forever, surely not. Um, the next bit of news, which is probably on the one of the lighter side of things, but it's an important topic, which obviously um, the NHL takes as seriously as, as 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 everyone is starting to now, which is which is only a good thing. But the NHL teams this year are going to be wearing. Our, I will say recycled jerseys, but it's the materials they're made of, which are going to be made of obviously recyclable, recycled material. Um, Adidas obviously is making a big thing about this, and rightfully so in terms of sustainability. And for for a sport like hockey, there's only so many areas where where you know where the league can make big jumps in terms of sustainability, other than travel, which uh, I guess is probably one of the biggest CO two emitters would be the amount of travel the teams have to do. Um, but it's a step in the right direction. So JP, any thoughts from you in terms of the teams and um, and this move towards towards being more climate aware? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a definitely a good thing, right? I think we need to probably move that
1: direction with everything that we do, right? So it's it's nice to see that the NHL is conscious of that, uh, trying to move in that direction. But um, mm. you know, <laughs> I'll try to keep it positive, but. When the, when the NHL makes moves like this, sometimes I tend to think, okay, they're more doing this for, for how it makes them look, you know, (laughs) as opposed to true concern for sustainability. I, you know, obviously I can't make a blanket judgment about the NHL as an organization, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh,
2: moves like that
1: sometimes to me feel a little bit more like Mm -hmm. just more publicity grabs as opposed to. Uh, true moves for sustainability, but, you know, that's maybe just my jaded older self talking. I don't know. (laughs) No, no, I
2: I think you're right. You know,
0: there there is a
1: lot.
2: The one one that always gets me, and this is where our podcast gets sued. So, uh, you know, I'm going to not mention any company names when I say this, but when certain energy firms turn around and say, we're moving to sustainable energy, I think, no, 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 it's your other source of income is running out. Let's, let's get clear here. Yeah. It isn't that, that, that there's tons and tons of fossil fuels, but you've gone, hey, guys, let's do something greener. You've looked at the stocks and gone, that's going to run out. We need a business that's sustainable as a business. Therefore, we've got to sell something else. Let's sell let's sell renewable energy. But, I mean, no, the move to being greener is something that I think is is good. Definitely. Um, It's just trying to cut out the marketing stuff from the stuff that's going to make a real difference um i'd love to know how much of yeah how many things in in you know how many things within the nhl could they change that would make a bigger impact than than the jerseys you know uh, and obviously travel is the the obvious one um but hey ho uh so uh, well, <laughs> before if people listen to this podcast for the first time, we're not quite so preachy on every show, but we try and keep it on the down low. Yeah, um, I'll, try so, to, I'll try to make my next answer more positive too. So <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're recording this on a Sunday as well, so it's uh, obviously it goes out on a Monday. But we, we want we want this to to be an, an uplifting Monday morning slash afternoon, depending on where you are in the, in the world. Um, but keeping with the disappointing. Um, news: uh, Jacob Rana is out for four months with a shoulder injury, which is which is a big blow for for him personally. Obviously, he was looking to to make a name for himself in Detroit, um, but it's a big blow for Detroit because they they don't really have that much backup. So, um, I guess he could back, come back sooner, but it's uh, four months is it's a long time in the NHL. So we are talking he'll be back, give or take February time. Um, so. Yeah, big big loss. Max, did you do you, you see anything else on the Vrana issue? Is it is it surgery related or is it just
0: not that bad? I know I know like for him it's really bad. For the Detroit Red Wings, it's not really bad because you already know they, they won't make the playoffs. It's not a playoff team yet, but with Vrana out, they can definitely tank and maybe like go for a early lo- lottery pick that, that will be that, that will be really good for them
2: yeah is that, is that a hot take do I have to use the uh, the match or is that
0: <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think it's a hot thing I think like <laughs> they, they do have like good prospects but I don't think they will make it to the NHL this year and I think they could really benefit like uh, like for one year in the NHL and I think the, yeah, I, I agree. The, the, Red, the, the Red Wings organization like to do that like just leave one guy uh, in the AHL one year and he comes back to the NHL. And just that one year in the American League, because, you know, a lot of their uh, prospects are are from Europe, so they they, they don't play American hockey. So it it really benefits them.
2: But if someone who watches um, a lot of European hockey, uh, yeah, the standard is, yeah, it's so-so. Um, <laughs> I think if the if the two of you watch some British ice hockey, I think you would be uh, somewhat stunned. Uh, so there you go. Uh, so, uh, two two contracts got signed. These I'm going to say these were the last two to get signed. They aren't actually Brady Chuck. Brady to Chuck is the last person to get signed. Um, and I've clearly left my teeth out for today's podcast. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> Vancouver signed their two big guns. So Elias Pedersen was signed or 7.35 million AAV for three years. And Hughes was signed for six years at 7.85 million AAV. Um, two guys, they had to get signed. Um, there's not really much to say on this. I think these were kind of what people are expecting. I'm not surprised Pedersen isn't as long as Hughes. Hughes has got a very, very good contract for a defenseman um, but From Pedersen's side... Uh, He might be looking for more if he carries on his trajectory. But three years at 7 million, that's not to be uh, sniffed at. So uh, good signings for both. And then one question which I'm going to put to both of you one by one is we've obviously seen the pre-season begin. Uh, And as somebody who is a Seattle Kraken fan, as you will find out very shortly when we cover them, But um, and for those of you who have been listening to the podcast before, you've already heard me say that, it's very easy for fans to get very hung up on results that happen in the preseason. When my opinion is that this preseason doesn't mean jack, right? The preseason is great for getting players' chemistry together, for getting the, the dust and the rust off of players. But other than a little bit of limbering up, like you can't read too much into the preseason. So when when the Oilers smashed the Kraken, and they did smash them, like it was one of those where i was in the gym in the morning watching the highlights thinking man i wish it was closer to me so i could skip but it was a, it was a it was a bad game but i think it's a, you know like you could see edmonton fans on twitter like seconds later were you know they were going to win the stanley cup and you're thinking guys it's pre-season none of this matters <laughs> so i'm going to start with jp your thoughts pre-season does it even matter
1: yeah, I mean it's rarely a predictor of anything that's going to happen in the regular season, right? And and you have to also mm-hmm. keep in mind the goal um especially for the early part of the preseason, right? Four or five games, the goal isn't even really winning, right? They're just like giving guys they're giving different guys a look. The first couple games especially there's a lot of junior players right out there. Mm-hmm. You know, guys that are nowhere near ready for the NHL and so yeah, the goal isn't even to win, right? It's just to sort of try things out and and you know give guys a look. Um, I think maybe the last couple games of preseason for some teams, they're starting to kind of skate their, you know, their sort of season roster. But yeah, right. It doesn't. It really doesn't matter. And the <laughs> you know the Knights being a new team, and some fans here being, um, you know, only hockey fans for three or four years, that doesn't apply to a lot of fans, but to some. For them especially, you can tell they're still sort of getting used to the fact that preseason means nothing. <laughs> it just doesn't <laughs> matter, right? Not an indicator of yeah. anything, really, in my opinion. No. Maybe just little trends, you know?
2: No, I'd, I'd love to see, like, who was the best team last season in preseason to see how little it made a difference when the actual regular season started. But uh, hey-ho. Uh, and also, look, the regular season's 82 games this year, touch wood, and hopefully everything goes Swimmingly, and we don't have any resurgence of COVID, and we, you know, and and you know, for everybody that's been affected by COVID, um, which is pr- pretty much all of us, but obviously some people have been more affected than, than others. Um, you know, we want to see the back of this. So, 82 games is a long, long, long time to be to be playing a regular season. So, six games at the beginning, yeah, they, they don't mean a great deal. Um, Max, any thoughts on preseason? You've obviously been watching the Montreal preseason. Uh, have you managed to glean anything from it is, is there any takeaways you can get from it or is it just it's
0: just like yeah it's just really good for the prospects really good for the <laughs> yeah. prospects like a guy like uh um kid and ghoul right now is he's he's, hmm. he's he's having a really good time you know you you can see um his abilities but you can also see the things he can works on he, he can work on and you he, he, you know. I don't think some people think he will make the nhl this year i don't think it's a good idea i think one year uh when he's the he's the captain uh, in his team with the whl i i don't remember what his team is but uh yeah uh, i think one one other develop, development year will be really good for him
2: yeah i agree and also if he's not going to get ice time then it's, it's yeah. probably not worth it you know
0: yeah um and we we really saw like a glimpse of uh other prospects that we drafted this year like I don't know if you if you know like a uh, Joshua Roy he was uh, I, if if you played NHL yeah you, you know about him yeah and it uh, he, he was drafted in the fir- in the 5th round this year by the Montreal Canadiens mm-hmm. like and uh, it, it was a uh, he had a really good preseason but you knew you knew at uh, 18 years old it wasn't going to go in the initial right now so they sent him back to, uh, to his team for the uh, opener and uh, mm-hmm you already know he's going to have an NHL career, but it's all about the development for you.
2: Yeah, and people develop a different speech. You know, it's yeah. not... I mean, I'm I'm hoping that Nolan Patrick is like that. Okay, yeah, he didn't take off with the same trajectory that we saw the other two picks around him. Um, I think shear was obviously one of them. Uh, I can't remember who the third one was. I think it was Dubois, um, but I was testing my... NHL draft knowledge here, um, but I've got the best get out ever because I can just go, "Hey, I'm British. I don't know anything." So, um, <laughs> it, yeah, I pretty said it was Dubois, and but it, it, it doesn't matter because if 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 Patrick has a stormer this year and then next year, then that will be quickly forgotten about. So, okay, well that is our news.
0: Wait, Ian, I have something to say. Go on, go, go, go. Can we talk about um, the uh, the what Robin Leonard said on Twitter last night? <laughs>
2: yeah, I was waiting. Okay. for this. <laughs> the, were, I, w- I was trying to avoid it, to be honest. Right. <laughs> so, it's so. This, this is something this, big. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right. This. <laughs> this was. I mean, look. I love Robin Lerner. Um, I. I think he is a an immensely Uh, brave uh, individual who, in a world where you get shot very quickly when you're in the public eye for having any sort of fault, uh, he he quite openly came out and and discussed his issues, his demons. Um, And this is back when he was Buffalo and and beyond, right? This this isn't a Vegas thing. Obviously, he talked about it when he went to Chicago, and then obviously he's been an advocate for ever since. Um, But I presume you're talking about his comment about NHL teams giving their players drugs.
0: Yeah, yeah. That yeah. I, uh... I think
2: that's one of those sound bites that I mean, look, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to speak for Robin because I don't know him, but I'm guessing that he didn't mean it quite how it came out. I think the sound bite sounds worse than what he probably means when he says that. Yeah, it seems to me. I, you know.
1: <laughs> I kind of found out about it a little bit late. Like people on my Twitter feed, I was talking about other stuff and somebody was like, have you seen Leonard's, you know, Twitter profile tonight? And I was like, nah, not really. Like, let me take a peek and reading it. Yeah, I I can tell. So these are important issues for him. They're important issues for everybody. You can tell by the tone of them that he sort of cracked a little bit. I don't mean mentally. I just mean emotionally. He's sort of, he's clearly ha- kind of hit his limit those tweets were super sort of emotional and mad and like you can tell he wasn't like let me think this out before i write it like you can tell he was just like bam i'm tired of this this is what i have to say um and so then it makes you squirm a little because you're like oh man you're you're being kind of brutal here but at the same time everybody really was very supportive like most of the comments were pretty supportive which i was pleasantly surprised to see so you got to hand it to him. Right. I mean, he's not afraid to kind of talk about the difficult issues and a lot of people really respect him for that. And if it brings things into the spotlight, then great. I just get nervous about like, I just get nervous about like, you know, his relationship with the team, with management. I think they're going to be supportive, but these are the kind of things that tend to make, you know, team management squirm, right? Like PR wise Mm -hmm. it's touchy stuff. So, um, not to say that he shouldn't speak about it, but you know that's was my reaction. I'm like, "Ooh, Robin," <laughs> I, know, I know. Just getting ready to start the season here. I hate to see him, you know, get himself in any
2: trouble. But at the same time, maybe these things need to be discussed, right? So yeah, and I don't want to see him get worked up either. Now, Max, obviously you raised it. Um, you just <laughs> so what's your thoughts on it? Um...
0: Honestly, it's just. It's just really great that he he comes up with it. it it's like uh, Jack Eichel tried to speak about it uh, a little bit with the, with his injuries, and uh, he didn't like he didn't like how it was. All his injuries were taken uh, in Buffalo, and uh, I, I think it's really good that he talks about it. And maybe the NHL will more investigate. I I know they announced that they will uh, have a private meeting with him. I think. And uh, they did, yeah. Yeah, and uh, another guy also talked about it, and uh, Daniel Carcillo, when is is now is known for his controversial tweets and stuff like that, and uh, mm-hmm. he talked about uh, the story of Steve Montador, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, like a guy I think who died because uh, of um, a disease co- uh, caused by the a lot of uh, c- concussions that he that he had uh, throughout his career. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it uh, it was talk about. Maybe, I think it was uh, his 19th, 19th con- concussion. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a lot of concussion for him. And uh, I think it was uh, he was trying to seek uh, exterior help. And mm-hmm. um, finally, he, he got that, that uh, exterior help. But the uh, Blackhawks organi- organization were not happy about this. And they sent him back to, to the ADHL. And mm-hmm. it was because the Blackhawks was trying to force him to come back in ADHL uh even it was a uh, it was an a uh, once again it's it's just a story where the team is not taking care of the player and that's not good, really good because you know the athletes they need to get they take, taken care of because you know mm. they they go they go uh to war every day they go to war every day. it's a little real a war on the on the ice it's
2: it's it's you know that well, it's probably something that we should pick up on a on a separate episode is to talk around the actual the concussion Issues because this, it's a it's a really really big and deep topic as is as is the mental health stuff that's coming out now as well um, and and look first and foremost I'm going to carry out what I'm about to say by saying that you know some of the some of my favourite players have had their careers ended early because of concussions so I, I I'm not downplaying the issue when I say this um, but it's it's a contact sport which makes it super super difficult for the league to um, To stop concussions from happening. Uh, Also, a lot of the people that are suffering from concussions now; these are things that happened in the past. Uh, And you know, and hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, But you know, back in the thirties and forties, when the war was going on, they were giving people out cigarettes to keep morale up, not realizing at the time that it was uh, they were essentially handing out death sticks uh, to to people. So, as, as science develops, we we learn more, and we should adapt. The way that the league is played and the way the game is played whichever way we can and, and it's not even like it's just the nhl anymore we see it in the nfl we're seeing it in in soccer you know in the uk at the moment it's a big big talked about topic is should in football should they get rid of heading the ball and i think there's a real there's a real fine line between if you're going to play a contact sport it's going to have repercussions, not just on your, on, obviously the head is different, but you see players that have worn out hips and worn out legs, all of this, it's it's a contact sport. The body isn't designed to be put through that level of stress night in, night out. So um, obviously I feel for anybody that that suffers from that. And like I said, Andrew Shaw last year is a great example of a guy who was up there in terms of top three for me in terms of players, because I just, you know, I love the guy. I love everything he was about. I love the way that he played on the ice because he always hit people and he hit hard, right? Um, but he's openly talked about the fact that there's games where he's been concussed. He's gone back out and played. Uh, and like the next day, he can't even remember playing the game. So it's a serious thing, but it's a really difficult thing for the league um, because they very quickly get seen as the bad guy, when in reality, it's its just a product of sport, you know. We can adapt, but as I said, it's a product of sport. So,
1: it's a complicated issue for sure.
2: Yeah, it's not. Yeah. There's no, It's not a simple answer. That's
1: that's definite.
2: Hmm. Um, so we're doing really good keeping this podcast nice and positive. So, <laughs> <laughs> so. but let's get into the divisional breakdown. Um, it says Metro there, but it isn't the Metro. So the uh, divisional breakdown is on the Pacific Division. Today, uh, we are going to break it down like we've done all of the others. So if this is your first podcast you're listening to, I'm going to go through exactly how we're going to break it down. We're looking at their last season results, uh, their off-season moves, that's both free agency and trades, their playoff chances this season, and then what one thing has to happen for them to be successful, or better put, what makes this season a success, other than the obvious one, by the way, which is winning the Stanley Cup. Um, So... Uh, we're going to kickstart, and we're not doing alphabetical order this time, we're doing it in order uh, intentionally, leaving the best until last. Um, so that is Kraken. Uh, so, <laughs> Edmonton Oilers is first. Um, last year had a really, really surprisingly good uh, regular season 35 19 2. But for all the season, for, for all the goals, for all the McDavid and Cycle talk, for even for you know mike smith having an absolutely outstanding season whatever, what a comeback he had uh for all of that they went into the playoffs and they were swept in the first round um some people are saying that this is the wake up that edmonton need but i would argue that that was the year before when they got swept or they lost out anyway in the playoff pre thing that they had against chicago yeah the um, play in when we had- that's the one, yeah, the play-in, yeah, uh, which is a bit weird. But anyway, that's forget about that. Uh, so in terms of the key additions, I look, we will go through a few, but the notable ones, uh, Zach Hyman obviously joined. Um, Duncan Keith joined. That was probably the most surprising one of all of them. Uh, Cody Ceci uh, is making his rounds of the NHL team, so he's now in Edmonton. Um, uh, Warren Fogel uh, was uh, an interesting pickup for them but one that I quite liked and then Derek Ryan as well another kind of center piece and you can kind of see what they're doing there in terms of p- people they've lost and there's some key subtractions here so uh, Adam Larson went to the Seattle Kraken in expansion draft Ethan Bear has gone Caleb Jones has gone Tyler Ennis has gone uh, Alex Chieson has gone Dominic Cahoon is gone and the real deal James Neal has gone as well um so a lot of people gone. Some new players in, some you could argue some some important ones, but I'm gonna start, Max, with yourself. Uh what did you think of Edmonton's off season?
0: Great off season, I think. Um <laughs> I think though th- their defense is still gonna be a problem. Like I-, I think Don Kikade was a great addition, but it's not gonna fix their their defense. Uh I know uh, Philip Broberg and um uh, I, I don't I don't remember the name of the other guy, but it's it's, it's another defenseman. They're gonna form the probably like the first pair of defensemen in any LGL team for them next year. But um, I, I don't think they're gonna make it to the NHL. They they had a great camp, but uh yeah. I, I think their problem is gonna be their defense. Adam Larson was great for them. Maybe not Ethan yeah. Bear. I I know he, that he got a, he had a lot of uh defensive problems. Uh, but yeah, mm. they they are playoff bound, but not making past the first run again.
2: Yeah, and uh, def- defensively, obviously, they've got Darnell Nurse, who's who's a uh, I could be one of the best defensemen in the league. Yeah, Duncan Keith. Look, I'm a big dunk fan. and obviously biased as a as a Blackhawks fan for many years, but um, he's on the wrong side of of of, of, of that contract, and yeah. He's still, a, he's still a good player, right? He's still a solid NHL defenseman. I'm, I'm not saying Duncan Keith is done, right? But he isn't a number two defenseman anymore. We saw that in Chicago. They're going to see that in, in Edmonton. But what he is, and probably the reason why, um, you know, the, the organization brought him in is he's a great locker room guy and he's a great guy. He's been there. He's seen it. He's done it. He's won cups. So if you've got a team that we know are going to make the playoffs of all the teams we're going to go through today. And, and, you know, by God, the Pacific division is, is absolutely horrendous. There is plenty of awful teams that we're going to talk about, but actually one of the good (laughs) ones in terms of the regular season is Edmonton. And, you know, we know having Duncan Keith in the, in the locker room when you're in the playoffs, that's, 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 it's one of those things that you can't really quantify until you're there, how important that is. Um, but, you know, it, it is massively important. I like Zach Hyman as a move. Um, Cody Cc I, I don't care for because I'm, I'm not a big fan. Uh, and the Fogel and Derek Ryan, you know, yeah, okay, great. But they lost Kahun and Neal. So I don't think they've got any better, but it'll be interesting to see what influence that Keith and Hyman can have in the locker room when it gets to playoff time. Um, JP, what's your thoughts in terms of uh, Edmonton's off-season, but also chances for, for this season?
1: Yeah, I, I think I kind of agree with Max. I think probably into the playoffs. Um, you know, he, he you know, Max, you spoke about their defense. You know, I will speak a little bit about their offense. And maybe they've improved that some, but I just feel like the Oilers, they're a great regular season team. And I just feel like they're not built for that tight checking playoff style. Right. In the playoffs, like there's less space yeah. out there. It gets tighter and tighter. You know, every team's top two lines start to get shut down, like the deeper you go. You, know, you need that sort of depth scoring. I don't know, just, you know, every regular season, the last two or three years, I'm always like, oh, Oilers looking good. Yeah, Oilers looking good. Oilers looking good. And then you get around to playoff time and it's <laughs> wha And right, we know there are two different varieties of hockey. So, you know, historically, the last few years, anyway, that's been my thing with Edmonton. I just, and I, I wonder if it's just going to be the same story this year. You know what I mean? Like um, maybe, you know, maybe they've improved some in the off season to, to that regard, but I, I agree with Max. I just, um, yeah. you know, and, and w- what happens, right? Like uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl and in the playoffs, like everybody's all over those guys, right? <laughs> so where's the scoring going to come from? That's always the big mm-hmm. question, you know, and uh, obviously uh-huh. last year it didn't come from anywhere really. So uh, yeah, I, I worry that that's what we're looking at again this year. But, you know, it's a long season, right? Trades can be made. We'll see. But, I'd, yeah, I'm, I'm, I still have them pegged for probably second place in the division. Maybe third <laughs> if they don't have the the season they're looking for. But, you know, they're hmm. probably going to be second, I'm guessing.
2: Yeah. And I think a, a big factor in this as well is going to be goalies. Um, and there's people saying, here, here he goes again. He's talking about the goalies. But um, Mike Smith was fantastic last year. He is forty years old, though, um, and I'm not a big Koiskinen fan. I, I I don't like him as a as a goalie. I think he's massively overrated. Um, he's in he's in the Martin Jones category to me. Whereas one night he can look immense, but then five nights in a row he'll look diabolical. Um, and Mike Smith changed their season. Like you know, he changed the Oilers team last year because they had what they've wanted for so long, which is someone stable in goal. Um, it's a big risk, and most teams, if they lost their starting goalie, the season will be completely affected. So I'm not saying that Edmonton are, are specifically at risk for this, but for me, I, I want, I want, I want to see Mike Smith have a year like last year. You know, I want Edmund to be good. I, I do really do want him to be good. I don't want, I don't want Connor McDavid to be the best player to never win a Stanley Cup. But that's kind of what it feels like at the moment because they just can't, can't make it click. Um, yeah, they can't get over the hump, can they? No. No, a little bit like Toronto, almost like they're the West's Maple mm-hmm. Leafs. Yeah, very you know, it's similar. It's a team that should win. You know, I mean, they've got the arguably the two best players in the West are both on their team and both on the same line.
0: Two best um, players in the both... league, in my opinion. And
2: that's what I mean. And, you know, and so you know that they're going to get to the playoffs because if these type guys don't make the playoffs, something really, really bad has happened somewhere. Because, you know, I think this division, as we'll go through in a minute, like, there isn't that many teams that are going to be fighting them. So they make the playoffs, but do they get any further for me? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sold. I I need to see a stronger Edmonton Oilers in the regular season. Uh,
0: I think they shouldn't make a comparison with themselves with the 2009 and 2010 Penguins, like the teams like Mm. that, you know, they had like Crosby and Malkin, but, veterans that you know that can keep doing that can keep productive that can be productive like a guy like cory perry would have been really good with the Edmonton oilers like mm. j- just the, the the locker room presence like you said with donkey kid i think it's going to be good with them but i think they will yeah. need more of kind of this guy like uh guys like uh, bill guérin uh the guys like that were that were playing with crosby and delivering and yeah. i think it will really help them on the offense
2: yeah, I agree. And the West a big, you know, it's a big, tough division. So yeah. right, moving swiftly on. Um, we this is where we start the list of teams that probably aren't in playoff contention. So the first one we're going to come across is the LA Kings. Uh, last season, no postseason, 21, 28, 7. Uh, but they have actually missed the playoffs the last three years in a row and are on somewhat of a rebuild. Um, haven't quite pressed the explode button like we saw in Arizona, but they have been picking up draft picks, have been you know signing first rounders, and has gradually been building. People like Quentin Byfield, uh, who obviously joined the organization uh, last season, uh, key additions for them. They signed Philip Deneau, big signing. I, I'm a big Philip Deneau fan. Uh, Victor Arvidsson, I'm also a big Victor Arvidsson fan. You can see my my players that I like are the ones that tend to hit people. Um, Alexander Edler is is was also a signing, although I'm guessing that was roster filling because uh, I don't see him being a massive influence on that team uh, and the only subtraction was Curtis McDermott who went to the Seattle Kraken and he was one of the uh, draft expansion draft choices where I literally sat there and went who so I have no idea who that guy is and I still have no idea who that guy is and I don't care so in terms <laughs> of my thought for the for uh, for the for the LA Kings um, they are they could be in a wild card race but I, I really don't see it I think you know, as I've put on this slides so that obviously we can see, but our listeners cannot, um, the young guns need to take that next step. And I want to see Byfield playing every night. I want to see Byfield starting to become the Kopitar replacement, which he is supposed to be. I want to see Cal Peterson playing, you know, as, a, as an NHL starter, not sharing nights with Jonathan Quick and both of them looking pretty average you know i want to see peterson if he's their number one guy like i want that's what i want to see so um i'm going to start with you this time max what's your thoughts on la kings
0: i think this is a really good team with the uh, prospects and all but not this year maybe next year uh, yeah. two years but not this year this is uh, like this is going to be the years where uh, prospects are going to feel uh, feel themselves i don't know if uh, uh will probably make the roster this year uh, he's gonna probably play er- every game. Maybe they're gonna give him a big role already. But uh, yeah, uh, I think that Dano, his contract was made for you know, uh, kind of uh, forming the, their young players. You know, um, yeah, because he, he's, uh, he, he's got a he's he's a veteran and he's got that uh, he's got that defensive minded. And he's gonna I think they're gonna think that bring a. they're gonna try try to bring that mentality in this team.
2: Yeah. I like as I said, I, I like it. I think it's a really good signing. Um and I'm I'm conscious that we have uh two teams at the end that we want to spend time on. So I don't want to spend too long on the LA Kings, but JP, any kind of quick thoughts from you on in terms of the Kings and the, and their direction of travel? Yeah, the
1: the abbreviated version I think with the Kings, I think they've sort of spent a couple seasons in that dark rebuild Valley that you and I have discussed. Um, They're (laughs) still in it, but climbing out, like I think um, extremely Mm -hmm. deep prospect pool. And yeah, if I, I think they're dark horses to make the playoffs. I think outside shot that they could grab a wild card spot, but yes, that would require the young players to sort of step up. And I think that's where they're at right now. I think it's all about the, the young players coming in you know the prospects the newer younger guys um but they're they've definitely improved i mean over the last couple of seasons i'd say but yeah it's they're going to be right on the line like fourth or fifth is kind of where i'm pegging them in the division
2: yep i completely agree okay so this is uh, a team that uh, interests me somewhat here so calgary flames is the next team uh keeping with the uh list of teams that are not going to make the playoffs. I'm sorry, Flames fans, but that's what I've got you down as. Uh, 26, 27 and 3, no postseason last year. Um, Let's start with the subtractions. Obviously lost Mark Giordano as he's now a Krakenite. Derek Ryan, obviously we talked about him a minute ago. He left Josh Levo, Nordstrom, Nesterov, you know, blah, blah, blah. Players that didn't really uh, create that much, to be honest. So Giordano's with a real big loss to them. But you look at who they brought in, and and if Tyler was here, I'm sure he'd have a, have something to say on Blake Coleman. But to me, like Blake Coleman, Trevor Lewis, Nikita Zodorov, Eric Goodbranson, like these guys, you know, these these weren't making me drop my coffee this morning when I was when I was writing the list of ones that that, that they added. I mean, Dan Vadar, the goalie who was, I believe, at Boston. You know, like other than him, and he's for the future, by the way. Like. There's nothing there that makes me go, wow, okay, these guys take these guys seriously. Um, they were in the Canadian division as well. And I mean this with a greatest respect to the Canadian teams, but they should have been better in that division than they were. They finished, I think, fifth or sixth, didn't make the playoffs. Um, and I look at that team and I think, you didn't get any better. Uh, I, this, If there's any team that at the deadline could start shedding players, this is that team. This is that team for me where if the Flames have a good start to the season, maybe they make the playoffs. Maybe they go on a run. Maybe this is Calgary's year. Um, if they don't, and I don't think they will, this you're going to see some big, big, big names on little fishing hooks being dangled in February because Johnny Goodrow isn't going to get a contract extension. Sean Monaghan is going to be another one who's going to be on that list. You're going to see some, some big names... Big names going. I Calgary have tried this kind of trying to keep this window open, and it just it just isn't working. And I'm not seeing anything this year, from my personal opinion, that makes me believe that they're gonna be. You know, when you compare them to Edmonton and Vegas, who we'll talk about later. But like they're nowhere near those guys. So, uh, Max, your thoughts in terms of Calgary?
0: Honestly, those additions uh, aren't like. They, they aren't significant. Like it won't brings uh it won't brings anything. It will bring like maybe like a lot of uh, maybe a little bit of depth. Uh, but it's guys like Sean Monahan, guys like Johnny Godreau, guys like uh, Elias Lindholm. They need to, they need to take this team to the other step. But you know, as for the chances, maybe I think this is kind of the team that could benefit from the that could benefit. From the uh, Pacific Division, that is really like weak. So maybe maybe they will make the playoff, but yeah, this is a a first round, a first round team.
2: Yeah, I I agree. Uh, JP, what's your thoughts on the uh, on the Flames?
1: Yeah, I read an article the other day that said that the Calgary Flames are like the most average team in the NHL. Like (laughs) they're just they're not great. They're not terrible. And they've just been kind of hovering at average now for a long time. And um, I I agree with that. I think I remember, gosh, it was a, I don't think it it might've been the playoff bubble or it might've been the playoffs before where Calgary Mm -hmm. looked really good. You're like, oh, wow, they had a great regular season. Like these guys might be a team to watch. And then, yeah, first round out, you know, might've even been swept if I recall correctly. And um, yeah, it just, it's, one of those teams that there's just there's some key component missing. I can't put my finger on what it is, but uh I yeah, I see same thing. Possibly right in there with the Kings fourth, you know, wild card maybe fifth, just barely miss. I, I kind of think they're yeah. going to be in that
2: range. Yeah, I, I agree. Um so for me, and this is my hot take, right? This team is going to be rebuilding before February. Like, I I get what they're trying to do here, um, but Giordano is going to be a big loss to them. So I think for sure they are they're going to be uh they're going to be rebuilding. Um, and uh, Johnny Goodrow will be wearing a different jersey come the end of February. That's my that's my hot take. Yeah, if you um, hang
1: out in that range long enough, uh, rebuild starts to starts to come up in conversation, right? More and more so. Uh, uh, very possible.
2: Exactly. And uh, without being horrible to the teams in the Pacific Division, you know, it's uh, that phrase, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. It's like the opposite. Like if you can't make it there, give up. So uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I think it's rebuild time for them. Okay. So keeping on the rebuild train, uh, next up is the San Jose Sharks. Last season, a 21, 28 and 7. Um, tell me if you've heard this before. Uh, no postseason. Um, the San Jose Sharks came super, super close. And unlike the other teams we've talked about who didn't make the postseason, obviously the San Jose Sharks have made the postseason in the last couple of years um, and have uh, had some pretty famous battles with the uh, Vegas Golden Knights in the playoffs. Um, but the worry for me with this team, and when we go through the, the additions and the subtractions, is that every year they get a little bit older and that window that was pretty shut anyway just looks even more closed so they lost patrick marlowe so he he eventually retired after you know after playing an inordinate amount of games and being an absolute legend um they got rid of martin jones which was, was a great move from them i think they bought him out but it doesn't really matter however they got rid of him fair play because he was woeful um ryan donato was another one that they lost um didn't really sign him. A little surprised with that. I think he could be a, a dark horse in Seattle, but we will see. Uh, but then the additions, except for the last two, the first two were really underwhelming. Which is Nick Benino and uh, Andrew Cogliano. You know, these were great guys back in you know seven or eight years ago, but they're not going to be rocking anybody's world uh, in 2021. Uh, and two goalie changes for them. So they brought in Aiden Hill. Uh, who could be a real could be a real stud that could actually end up being a really really good move for San Jose, but possibly not this year, but in the future. And James Reimer, who had a bit of a, a rebound year for him uh, in Carolina last year, so a new goalie tandem for San Jose trying to change their fortune. Um, but this is me, and this is a, another little, little hot take. Uh, I, this this team needs to accept that it's time to rebuild. Uh, I, I, I just don't... They have, To me, they're still not good enough. Even if they make the playoffs, I think they honestly have to look at themselves and go, can we win it? And I, and I know the arguments always, if, if you're in it, you can win it. But, you know, Carlson's older, Burns is older, the Vlasic's another year older. They're on about Thomas Hertel not re-signing. You know, so... Look, JP, I'll start with you. But what, what's your thoughts on on the San Jose Sharks from a, a biased Vegas Golden Knight fans' opinion? Yeah,
1: right. Obviously, I'll, I'll try to be as fair as possible here because obviously, <laughs> if we're gonna, if I'm gonna be honest, like San Jose Sharks is the team in the NHL that I absolutely hate with a deep, deep passion. Um, and as a Golden Knights fan, of course, I'm sure any, everybody would understand that B- bitter rivals that has calmed over the last year or two since they haven't been in that playoff mix quite as much. But um, I mean, honestly, for me, looking at the Sharks, you know, and I'm not passing any moral or ethical judgments here by saying this, but th- they this Evander Kane situation, I think, has a major effect on the team. I think it has a major effect on the locker room. You know, they're kind of stuck with this contract now that they can't move. Like at this point, Kane is probably untradeable. It's a lot of yep. money tied up in salary. It not only affects their finances, it affects, um, you know, the the morale in the locker room. Like for me, <laughs> and it's easier said than done, right? Or they would have done it already, but the Evander Kane situation is messy and the sharks are kind of stuck with it. And like I said, I'm not passing any judgment on Evander Kane as a player, but obviously the last year or two, there's just been a lot of issues surrounding the player. And I think that has a major effect on the team, not just financially, but in terms of the locker room, in terms of the way the guys in the locker room feel. And, you know, I've read articles too, that there's some hard feelings in and around the team about Evander Kane, even being on the team and, and, like yeah. I said, I'm not speaking morally. I, I don't know the ins and outs of everything that goes on, but it's clearly a problem. And, you know, yep. not even just talking about on the ice. I think the locker room and the morale in the locker room is one of the key components to success. And so if I were going to say anything, they got to figure out what to do about that situation. <laughs> but if it were that easy, they would have already. So it's an unfortunate uh, thing over there. That's always what comes to mind for me is just, you know, figure out what's going to go on with Kane fix that and then maybe you can start fixing the other stuff. But um, yeah, I kind of don't see them. I don't see them making the playoffs this year in their current state. I feel like maybe they're, yeah, they're, they've sort of, their window, their, their most recent window is kind of over and now they're sort mm-hmm. of in limbo. Like, are we rebuilding or I can't really tell what's going on with the Sharks, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Max, what's your thoughts in terms of San Jose and the Evander Kane situation?
0: I mean, like GP said, it's just about the morale of the locker room, and it's it's just bringing he's just bringing everybody down with him, and that's not a really good situation for the San Jose Sharks. And I think it just reeval time for this for this uh, for this team. Uh, everybody needs to be gone, you know, like the Joe Pavelski, Logan Couture, and uh, uh, Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe uh, uh, All these guys. This is. That, uh, that era is is that you know and uh, Brent burns Eric Carlson guys like that it's not uh it's it's not helping them that they they, they keep they keep these players before you know their values B- because you know their values right now is down because they have big contracts and they are old mm-hmm. and they are they, they, they don't product so they don't have any value that they, they could Possibly use for a rebuild or something like that like other teams did like ottawa for example like the, the last team of eric carlson they use they use like the picks that uh San the sharks they gave them to get like studs and or other guys like that this is uh i think they they are in a, in a pretty bad situation and the shark is going to be the the worst team of the nhl for the next couple of years
2: now well, there you go so uh, that's the sort of thing I expected JP to say. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I still want to disagree because, uh, as I said, I just think San Jose. I I want to see them be good, but I I just don't think they will be. So, um, so sorry, San Jose fans. That's just my thoughts. So sticking with teams that are start well, this is a team that is rebuilding. Um. The Anaheim Ducks, so for me, will always be the Mighty Ducks. I know they're not called that anymore, but they kind of are to everybody who's been a hockey fan for longer than six minutes. Um, so last season was 17, 30 and nine, no postseason, no surprise. Any key additions or subtractions? Not really. Um, Mason McTavish came in, uh, I believe, from Washington uh, as a young centre. I believe he's kind of 19, 20 and that kind of age range. Um was a first-round pick from a few years ago, but obviously it's Washington, so it was a late first-round pick. Uh, Heinen left, uh, Ryan Miller retired, and Hayden Flurry was snapped up in the expansion draft. Um, but in my opinion, and we'll, I'll, I'll kick off with you first, Max, this time, but I don't think any of these additions and subtractions matter because this is all about the, the core guys they've got, the young guys. This is about getting them ice time, it's about sticking with a plan. It's about rebuilding. And it's about accepting that this season, the mighty Ducks are going to be less than mighty. But it's all for the greater good.
0: Yep. And uh, just to correct you, McTavish was their uh, third round pick this year.
2: Oh, right. As yeah, in yeah, yeah. Ducks?
0: Yeah, for the Ducks, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You told me. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all right. It's, it's, it's just for uh, the, the people that... Uh, Hear the podcast, and uh, so 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 they don't hear a mistake. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, w- w- what I like about the Ducks is what uh, they are keeping the same plan that they used a uh, couple and couple of years ago. You know, with the they got their first center that is going to be uh, their first center for the next couple of years, and with Jamie Dresdale, they got their first defenseman that is going to be their next first defenseman mm-hmm. for a couple of years. This is kind of like the it, obviously there, there's there's no comparison between like Getzlaff and uh, Zagros and uh, Niedermeyer and uh, Drizdale. It's a different type of player. but they keeping like the same philosophy of having like a couple, of, like two, two or three great players at the offense, and you know, a, like a guy like Niedermeyer, but with Drizdale. You know, it's it's I mm-hmm. I, I'm, I like to do the comparison because I think it it could be potentially something like that for them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and also I love the fact that like a lot of rebuilding teams kind of forget this position, but they've got Gibson in net who is, who's a really good solid goaltender, you know, arguably top five, maybe top six in the league now. So um, there's a lot to like about the Ducks, um, but this isn't their season, you know, and it's it was never going to be. So I think that's just the way it is. I mean, JP, what's your thoughts in terms of the, uh, the mighty Ducks?
1: We're definitely catching the Ducks uh, in a deep, deep, rebuild um i was reading an article the other day about the ducks and you know they've gone from kind of making the western conference final uh, i think they made it a couple of times in a Mm. short period right in three years maybe four years something like that and then they went to like a first round sweep right the next year it was like swept by the sharks and you know in the first round and then and then it's just been a dark valley ever since. And yeah, obviously, I'd, I was reading some statistics on these guys. Did you know that last year their power play percentage was, I think, the lowest in league history at like eight point nine four or something like that. Um, wow. That and then they bad. also had the lowest goals for in the league, uh, just not for the not in league history, but just for last season. I think at two point two one. So yeah, right, like numbers wise definitely one of the worst teams in the league right now, which is to be expected if you're in the middle of a rebuild, right? It's, this is what happens. Teams have to go through this cycle, but it's deep. Like it's a deep rebuild right now. Um, You know, even like their bet, like I think Comtois is their um, kind of their top point producer, or at least he was last season and relative to other players that produce a lot he's not even way up there in terms of what he's a good player, but, but in terms of if you're comparing to like the other top point producers in the league, it's not even close. So yeah, they just don't have the firepower, but yeah, like you said, there's a lot to like. Um, yeah, Gibson, huge asset, right? That guy's a brick wall and net frustrating as a Knights fan, actually to watch the Knights go up against (laughs) Gibson because it's, it's really hard to get anything past the guy. So, um, there's definitely some positives in there, but yeah, I I wouldn't be shocked to see the Ducks um, taken up last
2: in the division this year. Yeah, I agree, and I think some of the other teams that we've been talking about, they're rebuilding, are just that, just a little bit further ahead than um, than the Ducks are. I think in terms of rebuilding, just the way it goes. Um, next up is a team that uh, I I struggle to um, to make my mind up about where these guys are. So it's the Vancouver Canucks. Um, which we've got three teams left to go and these we've got three doozies uh left so 23 29 and 4 is the Vancouver Canucks um it's not written on this slide but they did not make the postseason last year in fact pretty certain they finished bottom of the Canadian division last year which was a real shocker to the fan base because they saw their teams make the playoffs the year before in the weird the weird playoffs a weird bubbled year but and it looked like Vancouver Canucks were taking real steps forward. And then last year it hits them like a brick wall. And everything starts to get uh starts to get serious for for the head coach and for the for the GM. So there's some massive, massive additions here. Uh, Oliver Ekman Larsen joined the Canucks. Connor Garland joined the Canucks. I love that move. Uh, Yaroslav Halak may joined the uh uh, Canucks, Tucker Pullman, Jason Dickinson, Luke Shen, you know, these are, these are seriously stocked up on players in the offseason. Um, you know, I, 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 and they got rid of a load of, um, with the greatest respect to all these players, uh, and the first couple are probably the ones that I don't think are like that. Um, but Nate Schmidt um, was one, Alexander Edler. Braden Holtby, Jay Beagle, Anton Roussel, Louis Erickson, Jake Fatana, these are like some serious contract and cap that uh, that they've that they've had to uh had to shell. Um but they've done it and they've done it without really giving up anything anything major. So for me, I, I really like and I hate saying this, because obviously these are the new rivals, but I, Vancouver have had a pretty good offseason in 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 my in my mind. And and I feel like anything other than not making the playoffs. Is not good enough, um, you know, and, and that's uh, that's that's where I think the fan base is at. Uh, JP, what's what's your thoughts in terms of Canucks and their chances this year? Yeah, I was really surprised
1: that the Canucks missed the playoffs last year. I was not expecting mm-hmm. that at all. After a, I mean, honestly, all the way to the second round in the bubble, took the Knights to seven games. I mean, so we're talking about a team that was that was kissing a conference final the year before and then made some additions so I was really shocked I think you kind of mentioned that too that they didn't make the playoffs last year I mean there are intangibles right pandemic year division realignment there's a lot of factors there but on paper absolutely I I would have expected them to make it last year and this year this season you know I kind of have the Canucks peg to be in that second third place I you know I've Maybe wildcard. I wouldn't be shocked to see them come in third in the division or if they really catch fire, right? Like if they find chemistry and they find a little bit of magic, you know, they could be right there in that second place kind of picture. So, um, yeah, th- this is a team I would expect to see exciting things from. We know how that works. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, th- sometimes that's just not how it goes. But if I were just looking at the roster, um, I expect the Canucks to be an exciting team this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, ekman Larson is um, gone from being one of the best defensemen in the league to one of the worst in terms of statistics. So it'll be interesting to see how he copes now around a a group that is it is not, you know, has has aspirations. Let's be honest. Obviously, when you're you're kind of stuck in somewhere like Arizona, it can be quite demoralizing to lose year after year after year. So sometimes a fresh you know, fresh locker room to be in and a fresh coach can, can make a world of difference. Um, Connor Garland, you know, I love that as a move. I think he's a, he's a super, super good, um, high ceiling, I'm going to say top six guy. I mean, I know he has played around, but potentially in, in someone like Vancouver, he'll end up on the third line, but he is, he is a top six guy. So I, I love the moves. I, for me, if they don't make the playoffs, there's going to be some serious questions asked because... There doesn't seem to be any reason why this team shouldn't. Um, but as you, you rightly said, JP, unfortunately, that has been said before because there was no reason they shouldn't have shouldn't have missed shouldn't have made the playoffs last season, uh, and they didn't. Um, so just because you should do something doesn't mean you will. Um, but yeah, I, I think. I've said wild card on here, but I, I'm I'm not super convinced that the uh, the Pacific Division is going to get any wild cards because of how strong the Central is. So I think they're going to either finish third or they're going to miss out. So very um, true. That's a
1: very good point. Yeah, I, I didn't think about that, but you're right with the way the wild card works. It's going to be the two best in the conference, right? So mm-hmm. or the um yeah, the two best in the, yeah, conference. the conference. So yeah, they yeah, they yeah. very well could. Yeah, fourth place may not cut it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and you know, and I know we did central in the last podcast, but you've got arguably five teams in there that are all could be finished first, second, third, Dallas, Chicago, Winnipeg, you know. So there's some seriously good teams in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, just not many of them in the Pacific. Uh, right. So, so you wonder so too
1: is, if, if matchups were a thing. Like it, matchups sometimes that matters, you know. also mm-hmm. they're playing these other teams in the Canadian division this past season that or the North Division that uh Maybe they didn't match up very well against some of those teams. You know how that goes. Sometimes there's a, a team or two that just are kind of have your number. You wonder if there was a little bit of that going on last year because it you know, yeah, seemed like it should have been that way. But you know, it wasn't the wasn't the strongest division in, in the in the NHL by any means. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I'll be excited to see what happens with these guys.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So we will see how the Canucks. Um, uh, lots of additions. See how they all come together in the regular season. So uh, next up is the uh Vegas Golden Knights. So we have tried to skip through as quickly as possible. He says we're at the hour mark already, which which I wasn't expecting us to be, but we did uh, we did segue to talk about uh, various other things, including uh, concussion. But um the uh, the reason you are on this podcast, JP, other than the fact that we obviously value your opinion, is that we wanted to get a, a you know a biased inside of you into the Vegas Golden Knights. So last season. A 40-14-2 season um, conference final loss to Montreal. Uh, fantastic regular season for them. Difficult loss in the playoffs because it's not the first time the Vegas have come close. And, um, you know, with the Vegas playing as well as they are, I know the fan base feels that they're ready to win a cup. So when they every time they find some way of not getting there, it's it hurts. Um Got some good key additions in the in the off season, so Daranov, Patrick, uh, Howard and, and Bruceoire are the main ones. Subtractions: Flurry. Obviously, we've talked about that already, so we'll skip over that. But Nick Holden, Ryan Reeves, Cody Glass uh, are the other main kind of subtractions. So I'm not going to talk about Vegas because people don't want to hear my opinion on it; they want to hear yours. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, what's what's your thoughts, JP? Off season, and what's the what chances of this season?
1: Yeah, so the two things they needed to take care of uh, to improve the team were to free up some cap space from the goaltending to offense, which they did. Right, they traded Flurry and brought in brossois as a legitimate be like a legitimate backup. Um, you know, I think he's only at two point three million a year, somewhere in that neighborhood, as opposed to Fleury's seven. So that freed up a lot of space to to pour into the offense. That's that was job one. They did that. The other thing they need to do is improve the power play, and I didn't even know this. You know, other pundits may have have had this in mind already, but um, now I kind of get it. Now that we're watching the preseason, that the power play was not great, and that's really probably the difference maker in fr- terms of if they'd had a better power play percentage, they probably would have made the Cup final. In my opinion, they needed to, to improve the power play, and their moves in acquiring um, Dodonoff and Patrick. Um, now I'm seeing that in the preseason, Patrick and Dodonoff are both excellent on the power play. And, uh, we're seeing some very exciting stuff in the preseason, at least on their first power play unit. Um, so I think they, have so it's looking like they made the improvements they wanted to make. Brossois playing out of his mind right now in preseason. Mm. Uh, he had a shutout, um, his last game and, and so. It's looking very promising. It's looking like they improved the areas that they wanted to improve. Now, who knows, right? We'll see when regular season goes. But uh, all those things being said, I expect a deep playoff run again. The Knights are definitely at the peak of their Stanley Cup window. So, um, And and anything less than that will be considered a failure. I mean, really, anything less than a Stanley Cup final appearance, I think, will be considered a failure. Um, And even if they make it that far and don't win, uh, there's going to be a lot of <laughs> cranky fans here because this team is stacked and ready to win, and it needs to happen soon. Or like, like you said, you know, that window starts to close after another couple of seasons. So, very exciting time to be a Knights fan.
2: Yeah, I and, and you know, actually, one of the things working with you on this, and and obviously seeing your your Twitter feed, and obviously everything that Golden Steel is about, but um, it it's I, f- I find it fantastic when you see how vocal and how passionate the the Vegas fan base is because, you know they are still a new team, uh, and like you said at the beginning of the podcast, there's going to be some fans, not all. So I don't want to typecast anybody here, but there's going to be some fans that probably didn't watch hockey or certainly didn't follow a team before the Golden Knights existed. So um, it's great to see the, the how passionate the fan base is. But you're right that uh, you know if we had people on, um, you know, we were talking about diehards, obviously. Uh, you know, Rita comes to mind, but there, there are others that, that we know through Twitter that are, that, are, that we were classed in the diehard category. Like Anything less than winning the Cup is going to feel like a failure. And I, and I think, for me, Vegas Golden Knights are in win-now mode. They've been in win-now mode ever since they arrived in the league. Not that anybody expected them to be, and neither did they, but they have been. Um, the Marc-Andre Fleury trade was painful, but Bruce Wiles playing well. The one thing that I think could could potentially uh, push over the house of cards is, um, and like saying this with the greatest respect to the guy, but it's Robin Lenna that is the one the one the one thing. So because you know if he if he lets other things get to him and bother him, um, you know if he. He needs to have a cool head on his shoulders. Like he is the number one now. There is no Bruce Was not fighting him for a number one spot. You know, it might look like it at the moment with what Bruce Was numbers are, but you know there is no doubt in in, in the organization's mind that Robin Leonard is their starter. Like he is the number one. But he has to he has to play like that week in week out. And he he got rescued a few times last season by Fleury, and he's not going to have that this year. So he needs to. He said his piece about the stuff, and if he wants to continue to to, to promote that, I think that's he's within his right to do so. But you know, we're getting very close to regular season now, and and he needs we need game face. You know, that's that's what that's the that's the only kink in the armor, and I, I use that as as a pun. But there is there is I can't see anything else. The team is immense. It's it, on paper, it is by far other than Tampa Bay, it's the strongest team in the NHL. But that's is the only weak link I can see.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you, Leonard. Leonard definitely. There's more pressure on him to to play at his best for sure. Um, yeah, and, and also to stay healthy, right? Like he's already nursing um, a, a minor injury that he got in his first preseason game. So, my understanding is it's it's minor and it's not of any major concern going forward in terms of him playing the rest of the season. But uh, But yeah, that's the risk when you do get rid of two starting goal. Like when you had two starting goalies, (laughs) two elite goalies and get rid of one. um, There's not quite as much to fall back on, even though Brassois is proving himself more than uh, worthy. um, Yeah, he looks great. Yeah, he's great. But you're right. Yeah, he's not, he's probably not a 60, 70, or excuse me, a 50 or 60 game a year kind of guy. Like he's going to be good for, you know, for 20 to 30 games, which is how they'll probably use him. But, um, yeah. And obviously with this stuff yesterday with Leonard, it's natural, I think for the fan base to get a little nervous because they worry that you don't want the relationship to sour between management and him. But, um, he's been outspoken in the past about things and the team generally publicly backs him. And, um, I think they know his personality and they knew his personality before they signed him. So, the other thing is he seems to respond well to the heat, right? Like during does, the playoffs, yeah. Yeah. he was in an interview during the playoffs. He said to the press, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, he said, yeah, I came in a few hours early and just read all the crap you guys say about me on Twitter. And and that got me all fired <laughs> up for the game. So he does tend to, he tends yeah. to take that heat, you know, and embrace it. So, um, barring anything cataclysmic, you know, he's also yeah. lost some weight. He's sort of changing his, I wouldn't say his style, but he's, he has. Yeah, he's right. slimming up a bit just as he ages. Like it's going to be better for his body. He said to, to, um, to play a little bit lighter and, um, you know, that may change his style just a little bit in terms of speed and stuff like that. But, mm. uh, but I'm with you there. That's really probably the only area, especially the last couple of days, you're kind of like, gosh, what is going on? This is, he's pretty outspoken and this is kind of some, this is some um, intense stuff that he's putting out on Twitter. So you worry, mm-hmm. you just worry. And emotional, that, yeah, emotional. So yeah. you just worry, like, is there other things going on behind the scenes in terms, like, that it's causing tension and stuff like that. But you know, for now, I'm I'm gonna trust. Like, he's he's been good for the nights so far, and I'm just gonna trust that that's gonna continue to be the case. But but yeah, yeah. Obviously, there's not as much room for error now as
2: there might have been before in net. Exactly. Exactly, and yeah, um, it always, always. Um, maybe it's the uh, my the dark humor in my personality, but I, I did always find it a little uh, funny that uh, a guy that you know they quite openly battled with with various different various different demons and addictions, and uh, and, and then he decided to join, uh, go to to Vegas, and I always thought, okay, <laughs> that's that is that is some strong will there, you know, so. Uh, but yeah. I, it's, he's, it's a, it's a pressure cooker, you know, and you don't I mind made. me yeah.
1: saying Ian, you were talking about the pressure from the fans and sort of that winning hmm. culture. I, I wanted to throw in here. I saw an interview with Riley Smith the other day and they said, how do you feel playing in a contract year? And his response was <laughs> basically like, you know, every year in Vegas is a contract year. Like the expectations mm. here are so high. He's like, it's
2: no, it's no different. Like if you don't perform, you're gone. Wow. <laughs> i mean <laughs> so, put it this way right it's it's you know when you when you run a team in, in any business okay there's there's some people who are deemed to be untouchable now one of those untouchable guys goes or girls guy goes the re- everybody else in the office goes oh jesus if he can go or she can go then i can go and and i think that's <laughs> the flurry move if nothing else where right, there were very few benefits of it other than cap space which we've talked about but there's going to be some guys on that team that would have never thought that could have happened. And maybe they think they're comfortable, but looking at that, and Vegas have proven this, win at all costs. I mean, there is no better Vegas mantra than that. You know, high stakes, win at all costs. We don't care. We will do it to try and make ourselves better. So uh, I'm really excited to see what Vegas do this year. Um, Just don't knock out the Kraken in the playoffs. Otherwise, we'll have to have (laughs) some sort of Hiatus from podcasting. Right, I, yeah. that'll be an interesting episode, <laughs> won't it? <laughs> or Just me versa. weeping yeah. for an hour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you all, Let's get into the last team in the Pacific Division. The last and the most recent. Um, yeah, that's, that's, we saw you come back, mate. We saw you come back, uh, and um, but now that's all good. um so Seattle Kraken. Uh, well, let's go through their previous season. Uh, it didn't exist, uh, and the key additions <laughs> are absolutely everybody on their team. Uh, they lost nobody because they didn't have anybody to lose. Uh, you could argue they traded some people that they drafted, but who cares about that? Um, it's their first year in the league. Um, obviously, it's it's a it's a the the new expansion draft format is fantastic because teams can be very. Um, good straight away I, I don't think they can be playoff bound straight away as, as I believe Seattle will prove that um but you can get very good straight away in a way of which Columbus uh is the is the and and you know is the obvious expansion team that springs to mind who who didn't have any of these benefits that, that Vegas and, and Seattle have had um but the downside of following Vegas it's like um you know, say for example there's a head coach who wins the Stanley Cup three times uh, and then retires and you're the next guy in um there's some pretty big shoes to fill and that's a, feels a little bit like that as a Seattle fan is that the fan base is very much looking at this and you know the fellow Seattle fans you know, hello to you all um and you're completely right to be optimistic about the season but as I said earlier on the podcast Vegas didn't expect to be Vegas right they expected to be rubbish. And they expected to trade players. That's why when they 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 the expansion draft, you know, the guys have even said that they 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 picked those players because they thought, well, if it works, great. But if it doesn't, we've got some good pieces we can move. Um, they obviously didn't move them because because the, everything went, you know, mayhem, and it was it was fantastic to see the Vegas Golden Knights trajectory. Um, but to expect uh, lightning to strike twice, I think is is possibly a little bit optimistic. Um, so. I'm going to say my thoughts on where they're going to be at the end, but I'm going to get, Max, uh, now that you've you've rejoined us, um, uh, uh, what's your thoughts on Seattle Kraken? First, the expansion draft, but more importantly, what's your thoughts on this season for them?
0: I think you could surprise. Like you said, it's kind of like the Golden Knights where we didn't know what was going to happen. But uh, in the end, they won like every single game. Uh, I-, I think they had like a big winning streak at the beginning of the season, something like that. And uh, yeah, it's uh, f- for me. It's really about uh, all the players that uh, are given this chance of uh, having a big role in a franchise such early in their in their career. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. when like a guy like Jared McCann, you know, I think he's gonna be probably mm-hmm. the first center there. And he he had a uh, he had like a lot of. He had a good season with the Pittsburgh Penguins and he was really to take uh, something bigger. And uh, honestly, I think he's going to be the the key part with the Seattle Kraken.
2: Yeah, yeah it's it's interesting you, may, you mentioned that. So the projected forward lines, and these are projected rather than real, because obviously we don't know yet, but they're expecting McCann to be the first line center. Um, Obviously, Yanni Gord is out, so he's not going to be in the lineup until November. Uh, and then Venberg and Geeky are the second and third-line centres. I, I would expect Gord to fit in somewhere, either first or second, when he returns. Um, it to me, personally, I don't think it's a bad first-line. Jaden Swartz, Jared McCann and Jordan Eberle, but obviously, uh, like Vegas did, I think there's some players on this list that you're going to want to see whether they can be a bigger player in a more important role than they would have had in their previous teams. Um, JP, look, you've, you've taken the journey as being a fan of an expansion team, and obviously it's working out all right for you so far, so good with the Vegas Card Knights, but (laughs) what's your thoughts on what the Kraken did in expansion draft, but also their expectations for the season?
1: Yeah, it's so hard to predict these things. I mean, if I'm just analyzing the team and the way they're built, um, I feel like it's going to, their style may be a little bit more defensive minded, or at least that's where their strengths lie. I feel like, solid in net, obviously, with Grubauer. And um, yeah, I just feel like maybe at the the big question mark for me is like, where's the scoring going to come from? Like, I'm kind of mm. I'm curious about that. And if you've got incredible defense and great goaltending, you don't need as much of it either, right? There's a lot of teams that have used that model to great success. Um, yep. now I haven't watched their preseason games super closely and I know you can't <laughs> deduce a lot of it, a lot from that. I've been keeping up with the scores and watching the highlights, but, um, but you know, Islanders, Canadians, right? Uh, Dallas to some effect, um, have all used that style to great effect. So I kind of wonder if that's the kind of team Seattle's going to be this season, or like you said, some of these, like Max mentioned, some of these guys who maybe have greater opportunity now. You know, we may we may see some guys have career years just because they have room to do it.
0: You mm-hmm. know, a
1: career in the NHL it's so competitive. You're on these other teams that are pretty stacked. There's not always space for you to shine, and that's the model that the Knights capitalized on. And I think there's going to be some of that available for the Kraken. To to what degree they capitalize on that remains to be seen. But um, but yeah, sometimes guys they can score more because they're now in a position to do it. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. if you're buried on the yeah. third or fourth line, and, and you know, or you're more of an energy line or whatever, you're, you know, maybe you're not going to have as many chances to to put the puck in the net. So, um, I totally pumped to watch the Kraken. I'm excited. I, you know, if mm-hmm. I were, I don't think they're going to be bottom of the division. I, you know, I kind of think, yeah, I think they're going to be nipping at that playoff picture. Like, yeah, like you said, wild card race or if they really exceed expectations slot into third, I wouldn't be shocked to see him make the playoffs, but it's really hard to, you know, if we're just yeah. looking at their roster on paper, I mean, that first preseason game was pretty impressive, That you know, they kind of, you're like, Oh, here we go. Down to nothing. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. okay. This is what we expected. Like, and then they showed some grit, you know, stormed back, but um, yeah. Preseason, right. Can't read too much into it, but it's been fun to watch so far.
2: Yeah, I th- I think they are going to be a very defensive defensive team, and I think you're right to to highlight that. I mean, somebody asked me, um, you know, who who the most important addition was in their you know in their lineup, and and for me it was it was signing Philip Grubauer. I mean, having a goalie tandem of Grubauer and, and, and Dreyers is is seriously seriously strong. I mean, arguably it wasn't what the Kraken expected. I don't think they ever thought that Grubauer was going to hit free agency. So when he did, they snapped him up, and that's where I think. Kraken can be dangerous, a bit like uh, Vegas have been, where here's just a, a scenario that could happen. So say they're in the wild card race, but Calgary have dropped off a cliff. Um, we're talking about Johnny Goodrow. Now, why wouldn't Kraken make a move for Johnny Goodrow? Because they can take his cap. They can take the cap hit and not have to get Calgary to retain anything. At the end of the year, if they decide to let him go, they let him go, you know. And, and I think it's those kind of bold moves that an expansion team can do because they, they don't have the kind of anchor that you get very quickly because Vegas obviously are in that position now but while you've got cap space I think you can use it I don't think free agency was a particularly good free agency for Seattle this year there wasn't a lot on there that was worth going for in the position they're in um, and I just you know for me personally I think the division is is quite weak which is is a good thing for Seattle. I think you put Seattle in the central and they're not making the playoffs at all because there's just too many good teams there. You put them in the East and I think they'd struggle. But I think because you've got the Kings, the San Jose Sharks, the Ducks, the Flames, all these teams that are middling, you've basically got Edmonton, Vegas and Vancouver and somebody else. And it's, Four, four, three of those four teams are going to go through. It's who's that three. Um, and arguably, if you take Vegas out, because they're probably going to make it lock stock. But of the remaining two spaces, of the three teams, who's going to make them? Um, I think Seattle have got a chance. And, you know, it, defensively, they've got a really strong... I mean, yeah, their projected defensive lines are Giordano, Alexiak, Dunn, Larson, Fleury, and um, and Carson Susi. So that's a pretty... Pretty NHL ready defense, you know. I mean, there's a lot of teams in the league, both on the west and the east, that would kill for a defensive lineup that was that strong. So, the key will be if they can get good goaltending and they can make themselves hard to beat, then, you know, I, I think they've got a chance. And that's all you—that's all you can hope for when you when you're a team that's you know existed for five minutes. So, um, I'm biased, so I I, I admit that. Um, but it's, yeah. It's super exciting. There's
1: also that whole first year excitement, right? Of of Hmm. new fan base, new facilities, new jerseys, new that stuff. That stuff matters. It definitely can give a team a boost. And Hmm. in terms of fan response, geez, I mean, in Seattle, it it dwarfed what we did in Vegas in terms of like season ticket sales, jersey sales. So (laughs) arguably, the fan base there is even bigger and even more intense right so Mm -hmm. sometimes we'll we'll see what the in-game presentation is like and what the fans are like but um you know you can't deny the power of that like a a fan base i mean they're gonna be packed every game there's no right it's gonna be sold out every game yeah it would would have to be so um that matters that stuff matters it matters in the minds of the players there's an energy there and um so that's a in the first year or two i think that stuff's a factor for sure Uh, the the days of the old expansion model are gone. And so uh, Seattle's (laughs) in it with a much better chance than a lot of expansion teams would be, you know,
2: completely agree, completely agree. And, um, and throughout this podcast, by the way, we we are going to have a, 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 not a weekly series, but a monthly series, which we'll pick up um, where we'll update on the Kraken for just so I can get talked about them for 20 minutes or so. Um, Right. There's one last thing, which we're going to cover. Um, not a team because we've done that already and um, Max knows about this one all too well but we do a a thing at the end of our podcast called Front Office Frenzy where we pick a GM or head coach uh, in the division we're talking about because we believe them to be the person that's on the hot seat so someone who could be at risk of getting fired. We know that in reality everybody's at risk of getting fired but specifically in this division who do we think is in the hot seat the most so Max, conscious that you, you missed a little bit, but who's your who's your thought for for what team, what GM is is at most at risk in the Pacific Division?
0: Calgary Flames. Yeah, I think the situation <laughs> uh, the situation in Calgary is uh, really critical, and they need to take to pick a direction uh, anytime soon. And uh, mm. I think the GM is not handling the situation in Calgary pretty well. So honestly, I think this is the kind of year where he, he needs to. Uh, it, the flames needs to show him uh something more because otherwise and with yeah, the yeah. off season the heat that he had i don't think that it's going to it's going to show so yeah. <laughs> brutal
2: uh <laughs> opinion on the calgary flames uh jp who who's who's your uh, who's your take for for, for the hot seat I'd like to do two, if that's okay. Um, (laughs) uh, So first I'm going to say
1: sharks uh, because I think that, I just think that team is in need of a full reset. Mm -hmm. I just think they need to tear the whole thing down and start over. Um, Just, Mm -hmm. and and I mean, players and coaches and, you know, they they had a really good run there for a while. We're doing some good things. I just think it's time. Uh, And now whether ownership feels that way or not, it's a different story, but it's not going to, you know, coach in a situation like that is probably not going to last long. That's just my opinion. And then, shockingly, the other thing I'm going to say is I, I don't think DeBoer, the Golden Knights, I don't think he's on the hot seat right now by any means, but he could easily be on the hot seat with a disappointing playoff performance because the expectations are so high. So, not on the hot seat now by any means, but let's say the Knights exit first round or something like that, like, yeah. or second, even second round. Uh, his job could certainly be in trouble, so I, I don't you. think that's going to happen. You. But uh, a potential hot seat, we'll say.
2: I, I I completely agree. I mean, I'm not a DeBoer fan. Okay, I'm just going to go out and say this. I I I'm not a fan. Um, but which so when they got rid of uh, Galant, I was a little bit surprised. I thought it was a little bit knee jerk. Um, hey ho, look they they then made the playoffs and they, and it, the team improved when De Boer got in. But De Boer has a, a pretty, you know, consistent history of being a bit of a, a nearly man. You know, he nearly makes it. He nearly makes it to a conference final. Nearly makes it to a Stanley Cup final. You know, so um, I, yeah, I want to, yeah, like you said, it's 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 a market where if you don't deliver, then you know, like others have found out before him, they they're not afraid to make a chop. So, but for me, the person who's on the hot seat the most excuse me, is um, possibly the Sharks' GM. Uh, Doug Wilson is, is infamous for for being adamant that he will never, ever rebuild. So if they do have to rebuild, then arguably uh, Mr. Wilson will be going bye-bye. Um, but it's Jim Benning. Now, I know that Jim Benning had a contract extension. I can't remember when it was, whether it was last year or this year. I can't remember. But Jim Vancouver, for me they don't make the playoffs this year, seriously, the questions are going to get asked. And I, and I wouldn't put it past that organization Um, because, you know, rightfully so. They believe they are in their window is open. So if they don't make the playoffs for the second year in a row, I don't understand how Benning would survive that. Um He probably will, but I don't understand how he could. So for me, he's he's who I've got on the hot seat. Um, but there you go. That is that, right? Well, this is probably the longest breakdown we've ever done, (laughs) clocking in at about one minute, one minute, one hour and twenty-five minutes. But um, it's been great to have you on, JP. Um, Just before we go and we wrap it up, do you want to just just tell everybody a little bit about Golden Steel and, and what it is that you're you're doing there?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Thanks. Uh, and thanks again for having me by the way. Yeah. Gold and steel is, uh, right now my Twitter profile, uh, an associated website that's kind of under construction, but, uh, it's dedicated golden Knights, uh, fan page, kind of a voice of the fans. Uh, we talk about a night, a little bit of Knights history, um, current nights, news events and happenings and discussion and going into the regular season, I'm probably going to launch, uh, some video short form content, um, just with commentary about the team. But uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's really, if I were, were going to sum it up, I'd say it's more of a, of a discussion, almost like a Golden Knights discussion place on Twitter. Uh, it's all about chat. So, But it's been fun. It's grown fast and uh, um, got a lot of friends that I've made on there and um, I'm pretty much addicted on there every day. So that's kind of what Gold and Steel is about right now um, with more things to
2: come. Awesome, awesome, man, and yeah. And as somebody who's uh, obviously on, uh, on your Twitter, I, I know it is very active. So if you are a Vegas fan and you're not already checking out Golden Steel, make sure you do. Um, that wraps up this week. Uh, we will be back next week. Obviously, we won't be doing. Um, any any more of these previews, but we will be overviewing everything that's happened in the preseason and, and seeing if any of our takes have changed. Uh, and then it will be regular season time, which we obviously all of us can't wait for. So thank you for listening. Thank you. We appreciate every single listen we get. So we appreciate you listening to these longer episodes. They won't be quite as long in the future when we get into the uh, regular season. Um, do check out our our Twitter. But the best way to find out all the stuff you can get involved with the Offensive Zone is just to go to our website. So that's www.theoffensivezone.com. So nice and easy to remember. Um, And, uh, yeah, look, we'll we'll catch you in a week's time. So thanks very much. Stay safe. See you later. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys.